Amen. If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Luke, uh, looking at uh, chapter 23, and we're looking at verse 34, and we're going to take a moment, and we'll just kind of bear down on that one verse today, and that's kind of going to be our jump-off spot, that we'll come back to a particular Old Testament story that will also kind of, I think, lend itself to uh, giving some credibility into the, the word that I want to speak in uh, to this morning. Sometimes, and, and let me begin this way today, sometimes things happen to us and we do not really understand it sometimes. How many agree with that? Sometimes things happen to us and we just really do not understand, you know, why those things are happening. Raise your hand. Have you ever been there before? And you're saying, wow, what is happening here? And I, I praise the Lord that God does not leave us alone, that, that you know, he, he gives us direction. He shows us that, but still things happen. It's like the little boy that uh, he's about six years old. His name's Bobby, guys. And his little brother, his little baby brother just got baptized. And, and he was in the car. He's in the car with his folks and he's crying. And his dad keeps asking him, you know, this little six-year-old Bobby, why are you crying? And he asks him that about three times. And, and, and about the fourth time, finally, little Bobby answers him when his dad is saying, why are you crying? You remember, it was just after the dedication of his baby little brother. And so Bobby responds to his dad. He says, well, that preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home. But I wanted to stay with you guys. <laughs> I mean, kids, they say the craziest things. And uh, and so, you know, whether we're a child or whether we're an adult, you know, sometimes things happen. We're kind of scratching our head. You know, what's happening? And and maybe maybe that applies a little bit to the emotions, the frustrations that we have or maybe, you know, feelings of of bitterness. And you're kind of wondering where 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 they where's that come from? Or or maybe maybe feelings of of jealousy and you've. You know, you're in life and, and it seems like circumstances maybe have not worked out the way that you've planned. And you're, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and you're thinking, you know, life should have been like this, but it's like this. Or, or maybe you're a teenager and you're in this circle of, of friends and all of a sudden you're kind of forgotten or you're left out. And so it seems like things are kind of unfair. And so this thing begins to build inside of you and it's emotion and you're wondering what it is, what's what's happening You know, I think the one thing that the enemy would not want us to do, I mean, the one thing that the enemy would not want us to hear about or or think about is what I want to speak on this morning, which has to do with having unconditional forgiveness in our heart. Unconditional forgiveness. I mean, if there is one thing that would take away the experience of fullness in life and, and rob from us the idea of what it means to really be happy, I mean, really to walk in the joy of the Lord, I believe that one thing that would steal that or rob us of that is having an unforgiving spirit. Having an unforgiving spirit, and I don't care whether you're 13 years old or whether you're 83 years old, it is possible that we may be wrestling with that in in our own lives. And so how does Jesus speak into this? And so we go to this passage in Luke chapter 23, looking at verse 34. And and of course, this is Jesus. He's on the cross. And what an event that is. And we understand that God has become flesh. And now that flesh is fully God, but yet fully human is on the cross. And we understand that in the event of of Jesus dying on the cross and, and defeating the sting of death and being resurrected, that we have everlasting life. Amen. I mean, we're singing about that. We're celebrating that this morning. 
But Jesus also teaches something not only about, you know, how to die, but he also teaches us something, I believe, when he's on the cross here about how we are to live. How we are to be living our life, especially when it comes to something so, so intimate as our own personal emotions. And, and maybe, you know, the temptation of having an unforgiving spirit. See, so the challenge again, the invitation is understanding unconditional forgiveness. I like what one man wrote. He wrote into this. And here's what he said. He said, one of the highest forms of love. Listen to this. He wrote, one of the highest forms of love is forgiving someone who has hurt you. Especially when they do it intentionally. To tell one who hurt you that you forgive them may shock them into apologizing to you for their misdeeds. Unconditional forgiveness is part of the life of a believer. Man, that is a simple sentence. I mean, I don't think it could be said any more clear than that. It's so simple. In fact, I want to read it again. What he's saying here. Here's the sentence. Unconditional forgiveness is part of the life of a believer. It is with this trait that you may win many to Christ so that we must learn to deal with those memories, whatever it is that we've experienced or the process that we've been going through. And so we have these emotions that build up now. So we see the positive side of it, what, what is really the title, the unconditional forgiveness that Jesus shows us. But then there is the other side. There is what I might say is the dark side of it, which is the consequences of having an unforgiving spirit. You say, well, pastor, what are those consequences? Well, bear with me. I want to share a, a few of them with you this morning. That's what our conversation is going to be about. The consequences of having an unforgiving spirit. Here's the first consequence. The first consequence is, is emotional problems. When there is an unforgiving spirit, there will be emotional problems. In fact, these problems then can be identified as possibly bitterness. And, and when there's bitterness in our heart, there, there are one of two responses that we usually follow. The first one is rage. When there's bitterness in our heart and that bitterness is allowed to begin to grow in our heart, there is a response that can be called rage. And, and maybe it, it, it's, it's manifest in different ways. And maybe that's exactly what we witnessed on Sunday night, last Sunday night and Monday morning as that story in Las Vegas began to unfold. And, and it was rage that was in that man's heart. But there's another response when there is this bitterness it begins to grow in our life, and it is, it is a response of maybe depression. Depression. I mean, think about it for a moment as we drill down on this. I mean, the very concept of salvation is built on the idea of forgiveness. That we have salvation and we experience everlasting life because Jesus Christ forgives us and Jesus washes us clean of our sin and renews us. Hallelujah. And we enjoy all that. I mean, if there's a key for survival, it would have to be the key that salvation is built upon on forgiveness. I mean, if there's a secret wisdom to be had and it's not secret, it's that we are to be forgiving. Amen. And know that we are forgiving, that we are to forgive others. You see, not to have a forgiving spirit or to have an unforgiving spirit, it, it, it doesn't hurt anybody else. It just hurts. It just hurts you. It just hurts ourselves. And as frustrating as it may be, but if, if we are not willing to be forgiving, we're not hurting anybody else. We're just hurting ourselves. So the first response or consequence of an unforgiving spirit are emotional problems. What is the second consequence? The second consequence of having an unforgiving spirit is a gradual increase in bitterness, which one writes saying that this robs us of joy 
It robs us. Bitterness robs us of energy and focus. And, and one defines bitterness as, as being cold, sharp, angry, resentful. And I'm wondering as we say those words, as I share those words with you, you know, sharp and angry and resentful, if there's somebody that comes to mind, to your mind, when I say angry, sharp and resentful. Or maybe it's even your own, the image that you have of yourself that, that, that brings, you know, your own emotions to mind when we, we say those things. And so we ask the question, where does it come from? And maybe it's things that others have done to you or, or maybe things that you've been left out of. Or, or maybe it's possible that a wall has been built between you and others because of, of, of unfair circumstances. Again, life just not working the way you think it should work. But yet you say, well, pastor, this sounds like a counseling session and not a sermon. But yet if we go to the word of God, folks, the word of God talks about the issue of the root of bitterness in our life. In fact, we go to one passage in Hebrew chapter 12 in verse 15 and, and again in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 18. It talks about this, this what we're referring to as the root of bitterness. And it is called a root because it begins to be hidden within the soil of our heart. And from there, it, it, its roots will entwine themselves around your heart and mind until they choke the very life out of you spiritually and emotionally. And all of a sudden, you begin to wake up and say, what is happening to me? And it's because there is this something that has begun to grow in you or inside of ourselves that is causing us to begin to be polarized or separated from the things that we used to love and that we used to enjoy. And it's because it's the thing that the enemy is loving to see grow in your life and is the root of bitterness. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a big deal. I, I have a, a tree in the back of our house in Florida. And uh, we have a house, our house in Florida still. And we have a backyard. It's not very big. It's, it's about from here where I'm standing to that wall there. And uh, we have a pool. We put in a pool. It's a, a lap pool back there. And there's about four feet behind the pool there. There's a little waterfall and about four feet of soil where we planted some tropical plants. And then the four foot fence about high as that wall right there. And, and then we have two six foot fences on the side there. And so that's way Heidi and I can swim naked. No, I mean, that's that's so that we can have our own privacy. That's not true. So we can have our own privacy. We've got the six foot fence wall there and then we've got the four foot fence wall and we have the pool and, and there behind the fence, the four foot fence, we have these live oak trees. And when we built the house, the trees were only this big around, just about like this big around. But now those trees are now this big around. And in fact, they're so big that they're pushing on the panels of that plastic PVC, uh, PVC wall. And they're pushing on the wall where the wall is now kind of warping and bending, probably about eight inches from center, they're warping and bending, and now the panels are almost slipping out of the fence post. And there, where the tree is that was this big, that's now this big, the roots now have come into the fence. And one day, I remember I was mowing the lawn and trimming and cleaning the pool, and I jumped in the pool a couple times. And I thought, I'm going to pull this fence post out and move it, and then kind of angle the fence. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to do this myself. And so I get all the tools together and, a, you know, a pick and my saw and I have an electric chainsaw and all these tools. And I go around behind the fence and I begin to look at the fence post. And just about this deep below the soil, as I begin to pull the soil back, I notice at the base of this tree, there are these roots that are this big. 
and this big and roots like this big. And, and all of a sudden I realized that the roots are wrapped around not only the fence post, but the bottom of the fence post has a hunk of concrete like this big. And the roots are over the concrete and around the concrete and under the concrete. And I looked at this job and I thought to myself, man, this is major surgery. And I was going to have to hire a contractor and spend probably two or three thousand dollars to deal with this very serious root system. Ladies and gentlemen, you see the, the emotion of bitterness when it gets rooted in her heart, it is exactly like that. It is a system, this emotion of bitterness is a system that gets so deep and so entwined around her heart that it absolutely chokes off any chance of joy and peace and fulfillment in life because there is this emotion that is being created in us that is pushing us further and further away from the person that God has called us to be in Jesus Christ. I, I love the story that I came across in Scripture in the Old Testament. It's a story of a, a counselor to King David. His name is Ahithophel. And Ahithophel's life was, was a, a wonderful life who, who advised the king. He was, he was there in the inner circle, so to speak, of, of King David, and he talked with God, and he walked with God, and he spoke with God, and he served in ministry as a counselor to the king and a, a close companion to the king in a very special way. And so you can imagine the heart of King David when he had learned that Ahithophel had become disloyal and he had gotten caught up in a, a conspiracy with Absalom, David's son, to bring David down and to destroy David's ministry. And, and so you can imagine how King David's heart was broken because his close companion and his wise counsel, Ahithophel, had decided to conspire against the king. Well, uh, by the grace of God, because we know King David was anointed, there was another man that that helped uh, in the midst of that conspiracy to turn things in a different direction so that King David's ministry was fine. His kingship was saved. And Ahithophel discovered that the king now knew about his disloyalty. And the reason that Ahithophel was disloyal to King David is because something had started in his heart. And that something that started in his heart was bitterness. And he became bitter about something, jealous about something. And then he became willing to help Absalom in this evil conspiracy. And so what happened is King David thwarts that conspiracy. And Ahithophel, as soon as he understands and realizes that King David had uh, discovered his disloyalty, what happens is Ahithophel goes home. The scripture says that he gets his things in order and then he kills himself. He commits suicide because he realized that he had been found out. But all of this began because of one thing. It began because he had bitterness in his heart. And when we talk about getting to the root of the matter and we talk about our own feelings of maybe depression or isolation or, or whatever the frustration might be, again, whether you're 13 or 83 years of age, it is a tool, it is something that the enemy uses to build up something in their life that further pulls us away from the life that God has intended us to have and experience in Jesus Christ. The point is this, it is possible to appear on the surface, all is okay while on the inside, your heart is being choked by the root of bitterness. You say, what are the consequences of the unforgiving spirit? And maybe the Lord is speaking to you about your sister, or maybe it's a brother, or maybe it's a family member, or maybe it's, 
It's another, it's another person that you attend youth group with. Or maybe it's a feeling that you have about another family and, and, and all of a sudden there's this wall there be, because of these emotions that the enemy has grown in your life and the Holy Spirit is dealing with. The consequences of an unforgiving spirit. In fact, another consequence, I, I read and learned that another consequence is physical ailments. You know, there is a there's a physiology to our psychology, as one person said, according to this report, emotions that are freely experienced and expressed without judgment or attachment tend to flow fluidly. On the other hand, now bear with me, on the other hand, repressed emotions, especially fearful or negative ones, can zap mental energy and hope and lead to health problems such as high blood pressure or digestive disorders, dealing with negativity and, and physical health. And so there's this connection that the experts, those that are smarter than I am, have studied this. And so there's this connection we find between negativity and our physical health, and in fact, they go on to say that chronic stress form negative attitudes and feelings of helplessness and hopelessness and can upset the body's harmonic balance and deplete the brain chemicals required for feelings of happiness, as well as having a, a damaging impact on the immune system. New scientific understandings have also identified the process by which chronic stress can actually decrease our lifespan by shortening our telomeres, which is part of the DNA strands that play a big role in our aging process and so forth and so on. And it's getting a little too deep there, but but the practical reasons and, and concerns of, of facing down our pride in this scenario is that that there's that thing that can be a root that is absolutely strangling the heart so that we cannot you know, be the loving Christian person that God has called us to be. You know, that loving Christian person that understands that, that, that God has a greater plan for you than you could ever imagine. And he has this great relationship that he's designed for your life and for your ministry and maybe perhaps even the church. Amen. So those consequences of the unforgiving spirit, they're irrelevant. And, and what is another one? Another one is a gradual withdrawal from spiritual things. So you're saying, okay, why am I withdrawing? Why am I no longer excited about spiritual things the way I used to be excited about spiritual things? Why, why am I not, you know, engaging other Christians like I used to engage other Christians and, and having the kind of joy that I used to have in the fellowship that I've had and experienced once before. And maybe it's possible because there are these emotions or there is this root that is in your heart that is choking out the spiritual health that God desires for you to have as a believer, as a Christian. And folks, I understand it. it you know, it can it can sneak in very slowly. Those, those feelings, you see, so that's one of the consequences is this gradual withdrawal from spiritual things. The, the last one is this, number five, is that, that we recognize one consequence sometimes is that Satan will build a stronghold of hatred in your life, thus isolating you from others. And, you know, the stronger uh, the stronghold is, the, the, the larger the fortress that the enemy is allowed to build in your heart, the more isolated you are from those that are healthy to be around, those that are, that are, that are Christian. 
So, so how do we handle this? I mean, what is the practical application? We're talking about, you know, the root of bitterness in life. What is the practical application? How do we process this as believers? Well, once you say, okay, I, I'm going to forgive that person, or there maybe it's circumstances or un, an unfair scenario, and you've just allowed it to build bitterness in your heart. How do we handle that and process that? Well, I have some suggestions for you. First thing is let go. <laughs> Determine. That's the first one. Let go. Determine that once you've said, Lord, this this is these are my emotions, these are my feelings. And I know that it's allowed this bitterness to to dwell within my heart and it separated me and others or maybe me and, and ministry or maybe it's a family member. And it, it means that at that moment we decide that we will not bring it up again. We're going to give it to God. We let it go and we trust him and we're just going to just give it to God at this point. The next one is let God. Follow me on this one. Let God. That means ask God to squelch your your desire for revenge. Ask God to squelch your desire of vindictiveness or or those feelings of frustration. Ask God to take that and God will take that from you and you'll have victory in life. And then let live. That's the third one. Let live, which means keep in mind that there is probably somebody in your life that has hurt you or excuse me. Let me back up. There's somebody in your life that you've hurt and maybe you've done something wrong and they have chosen to forgive you. They've they've released you and they've forgiven you and be reminded that you've been forgiven. Amen. And the next one is let love pray for the one that has hurt you. You know, it's hard to continue to be angry at somebody or hate somebody that you pray for every day. Have you noticed that? That if you pray for somebody that, you know, maybe has created some bad emotions in you or negative feelings. And if you pray for them every day, it is hard to continue to hate somebody that you pray for them every day. And you pray for God's blessing and sincerely in your heart. You pray that God will anoint them. You pray that their life will be fruitful. And if you pray for the person that you kind of have bad feelings for, I promise you. That is one prayer that God will always answer. Amen. So let love. And the last one is this. Here it is. Here's the last one. Let Jesus. Let Jesus. I mean, you think of the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He showed us what forgiveness, unconditional forgiveness is like. And we're set free because of Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And I want to invite you to to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me unconditional forgiveness and accepting me just as I am. And if you follow these principles, I I believe that God will give you victory, that God will set you free in these these five principles that we're looking at this morning. So what what is the baseline? Here's the baseline. I want to invite the choir or the, the worship team to come and our band. But let me share this baseline with you as they come. And I'm going to have Pastor Jeff come in just just a moment. Here's the baseline. Are you ready for this? Here's the baseline. True forgiveness is possible. True forgiveness is possible. And Jesus, he showed us how to do it. Jesus showed us how to forgive. Jesus showed us how to not have a bitter spirit. Jesus willingly spread his arms and he gave his life. That we might have everlasting life. And he showed us how to give forgiveness unconditionally. Not on condition. But unconditionally, Jesus. Thank you for loving us that way. I want to invite us this morning just to bow our heads for a moment. 
And we're going to have a response time. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm wondering, perhaps this morning, as, as your, your head's bowed and eyes closed, that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about something. About maybe a, a root of bitterness in your life. Maybe it's between you and a family member. Maybe it's between you and, you know, a neighbor or something. Or maybe it's even within a, a friend in church. Whatever it is, I just believe that God has something special for you this morning. He wants to set you free. He wants you not to be hindered or in bondage to those feelings and let the root of bitterness to be, you know, taken out of your life right now. And I want to invite you right now to say, Jesus, I'm receiving your grace right now. I'm receiving your forgiveness right now. Jesus, would you work this out in my life? Would you just set me free of the spirit of bitterness, a spirit of negativity, whatever it may be that you might be glorified, Jesus? Thank you for working that out in us.